time to thrive. Welcome to the Thrivology Podcast with Dr. Lee Bauckham. Join us as we explore ways that you can thrive in your life, regardless of what life throws at you. It's your life. Time to live it. On today's podcast, I want to talk about how you can guarantee that you don't thrive in life, which may sound kind of ironic as much as I've been talking now for years about how to thrive in life. Today, I want to turn it around and talk about how you can guarantee that doesn't happen. You may be wondering, is like, would that be a great book for somebody to read on how not to thrive in life? No. But I'm hoping that if we talk about some ways you can guarantee to not thrive, you might be able to think about how that applies in your life. Maybe look at whether any of my top 10 are things that are already happening in your life. Generally, when we want to thrive more, we have to do something different. There are really only two ways that things kind of change in life. We either change them or the change comes to us. We either bring them from within us or they come from outside. And generally, when they come from the outside, we're not choosing, right? It just happens to us. And so the better place is for us to be thinking about how we can make those internal shifts. And that's the reason I want to talk about these things. And, and so understand, I'm saying this a bit tongue-in-cheek. I hope that you don't take in any of these and decide that you know, you're going to make yourself less thriving. So you're going to practice what I talk about. Instead, I want you to think about how they fit into your life. What I realized for me over the years is there are some bigger game changers. You know, there's some small things I could do along the way. You know, sometimes maybe I could find a way uh, to be more, a little more effective in my time. So maybe I saved a few minutes each hour, things like that. And, and that didn't really change a whole lot of how I was thriving in my life. It might have made me more effective. But then I noticed that there are some things that are bigger, some shifts in my mindset or shifts in the way I do things that allowed me to maybe make a bigger leap to something that I wanted to be. So these are kind of what I'm focused on. I want to talk about some of the bigger pieces that sometimes people fail to do. And in the process of failing to do it, they end up not thriving as much as they might like. Okay, so that's enough intro for us to jump into the top 10 ways to guarantee you don't thrive. Okay, number one, take everything personally. If somebody says something that you don't like, take it personally. If somebody doesn't comment on a social media post, take it personally. If somebody says something on social media, you'd assume that it's about you. You take it personally. I had a friend a while back, still a friend, but this person assumes that everybody's always upset with her. So no matter what's going on, it's always an assumption that everybody is upset with her. The interesting thing is most people walk around not really aware of most other people and certainly not thinking much about them. But let me just turn that around for a minute. Let's say that somebody is upset does that necessarily make it something you take personally? For instance, what if they've misunderstood something? Does that make it personal? It may make it very important to make yourself understood, but does it make it personal? Or maybe they have made some huge assumptions just about your background, where you come from, how you understand things, what you meant when you said something. All of those things come through their filter. Does that 
mean it's personal when they have some feelings about that, or is that really them needing to figure that out? You see, all the things that happen around us, we can choose how we respond to, how we react to. There are external events, and there are our internal reactions to them, and we get to choose what that internal reaction is. It can feel like it's automatic, but when we start to notice, we notice that we choose from a range of those. And one of those often automatic things is to take things personally. If somebody says something, we assume that they meant that about us. And if they meant it about us, we assume that that means that there's something wrong with us. So we easily get pulled into the place where we begin to think that everything is personal. And yet very little around us really is. I believe that people, when they do something, they're really doing it for themselves more than they're doing it to you. So even if they meant to do something to you, it's still from their place. It's still from their own pain. It's still from their own position, whatever that is. So many times, one of the ways that we get ourselves into trouble, in fact, I would say one of the big ones, is to take everything personally. The second thing, live in regret every day. Live in regret every day. It is true that every time we make a choice, we leave another choice behind. If you kind of think about life as kind of wandering down the path with lots of side paths, and we get to choose which of those side paths we're taking. In other words, there may not be a main path for any of us as much as the path that we weave as we keep making decisions. Sometimes we spend our life thinking back about that one that you didn't take. Now, understand that there are going to be times when you look back and you say, oh man, I wish I had done better there. I wish I'd worked harder about that. I wish I'd been more intentional about that. Sure, that's, that's part of being alive. But if you find yourself on a daily basis living in regret, you're also missing on what became of what you did choose. I had a client just last week that was bemoaning the fact that he had not gone to med school when he was younger. The possibility of that had closed years before, and he was just very upset about that fact. This man had been very successful in life. In fact, when I asked him about what, you know, what would have been different if you'd gone to med school, he said, you know, I would have been helping people. The interesting thing is he's a businessman who created business after business that helped people. Made a lot of money, too, but he was very intentional on making sure his businesses helped people. And I noted for him that it's possible that while it's a different kind of help, he might have actually impacted way more people in a positive way than if he had been at med school. And by the way, the fact was that med school was no longer an option. So him being uh, and constantly in that regret place kept him from enjoying where life was. In fact, I met with him and his wife at one point, and his wife said, you know, I am so tired of hearing about the med school thing. We have a great life. We have great kids. We have great vacations. We have so much. We get to give to charity. We get to do all of this volunteer stuff. We're both on multiple boards, and yet every single day he tells me that he regrets not going to med school. It's too late for that. How do we move on? And her point was this. Many times those forks are so far behind us those side paths, those forks in the path, they're so far behind us that they are no longer options and all they do is keep pulling us back to regret. Sometimes there are some regrets that we can clean up. 
And so I'm not saying to never regret anything, but to look at it and ask, can I do something about it or do I need to accept it and move forward? That's simply the process. Do I need to do something or do I need to let it go? One of the big myths is that there is this path for us that is laid out and somewhere along the way, maybe we took a path that took us away from our true path. And the fact is that life is a path that we choose through the maze of many paths. And as we take one path, it leads to other forks. It didn't mean that we took the wrong path. It's just another path. Are there better places for us to be sure? And that's where we can make some changes and move towards them. So understand that this isn't about never thinking about how you might be able to change your life. As much as living in a state of regret that never leads to action. If something leads to action, I'm all for it. If there's some place to move towards, I'm all for it. I had another client years ago that realized that he did want to go to med school. He had not done it after college, and he was still time in his life. And so he was able to go to med school and moved into being a doctor. He was very successful at that. Part of what he realized, thinking back, was not having done that immediately also gave him a different viewpoint than some of his classmates that had come straight from college. And so he began to understand that even that process was helpful on its own. So if you want to make sure you don't thrive, live in regret daily. Number three, if you want to guarantee you don't thrive, refuse to forgive. I would say that as I work with people, one of the biggest places I see people get stuck is they have a hard time forgiving. Many times the real issue is they choose not to forgive. They refuse to forgive. Sometimes they don't even know they could forgive. In fact, that's kind of why I wrote the book on forgiving, because I saw so many people getting stuck. And if you're wondering about that, that's the forgive process. It's a six-step process on how to forgive, because I believe that's why one of the things we need to master in our life is how to forgive. And most people are raised on some misunderstandings about forgiving. Like they believe that if they forgive somebody, it lets them off the hook. Like they believe if they forgive something or somebody, it makes it okay, as if it were okay. And what they're really waiting for is something to have happened to that other person. It's been said that not forgiving is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. It doesn't happen. Many times people who have hurt us and we hold on to those hurts and pains don't even know it's happened, don't even know to apologize. And many times if they did, they still wouldn't. And when we choose not to forgive, we hold ourselves hostage to that event so we can't move forward. What actually is true about forgiving is it allows us to let go. It allows us to move forward. It may not have any effect on the relationship with that other person, but it allows us to continue moving. Remember, in life, we're going to hurt other people's feelings and have our own feelings hurt. We're going to do things that we know better than, and they're going to do things they know better than. And so there are going to be pains along the way. When we forgive, we, forgive, we allow that to not hold us hostage. When we forget to forgive... We're held hostage by it on a daily basis. So one of the things that often happens is that people refuse to forgive because they somehow want to hold someone hostage, not realizing that they are doing that to themselves. So if you want to make sure that you don't thrive, if you want to guarantee that, refuse to forgive. 
Number four. Number four, one way to guarantee you don't thrive is to decide that if it's hard, then you shouldn't have to do it. If it's hard, it's not meant to be. I hear this in many situations, and particularly I hear it around marriage. People often say to me, you know, if this was meant to be, this relationship was meant to be, it wouldn't be this difficult. Sometimes I hear the same thing when people take on a challenge, like they're in school and they're like, you know, if I I were natural at this, it wouldn't be so hard. So since I'm not a natural at it, I shouldn't even worry about that. What's interesting is that this is so counter to reality. Carol Dweck talks about the fact that we can have a fixed mindset or a growth mindset. A fixed mindset assumes that we have what we should have right now, that we, you know, we're natural at something, that just it's an inborn skill. So if you see somebody who's really good at, let's say, playing a musical instrument, you're like, well, they're just a natural at that. They probably had some inborn talent, not realizing the hours and hours and hours of practice they put into it. What they really had was a deep love of that, and they got better at it. The same with sports, the same with math or many other things. We look at people who we say, oh, they're just a natural and dismiss what they've done to get there because we think that we shouldn't have to do it to get there. A growth mindset, on the other hand, is recognizing that we can always get better at something by digging in and trying. You may decide that you don't want to get better at something, that's fine, but to realize you can I'm never going to be a professional basketball player or baseball player or football player or anything else. But if I wanted to get better at any of those, I could master some of those skills and get better at them. It's not about whether we are uh, naturally able. It's whether we take on the challenge. Think of it another way. Anytime we develop anything in life, it's because we take on a challenge. You watch a child who is trying to learn to walk. They get up, they fall down. They get up, they fall down. It's not easy, but they don't give up because they're wanting to walk. None of them sit down and say, okay, forget that. That didn't work. It's just too hard. I think I'll just sit here. The same is true if you wanted to get into shape. What would you do? You would go challenge your muscles. Give them a good workout. Make them go beyond what they're used to. Make it hard on them. And they get stronger. And yet, many times in life, when it's the bigger things, we say, oh, it's so hard, it must not be meant to be. We decide that whoever has done it had it easy, or we decide that whoever has done it is this natural at it, and that allows us to get off the hook. So if you want to guarantee you don't thrive, just decide that if it's too hard, you're not going to do it. Number five is kind of related to that, and that is that you let fear tell you what to avoid. Fear is an unavoidable part of life. Our brain is wired for fear. It's in our DNA as a way of of protecting ourselves. It's better for us, survival instinct-wise and survival-wise, to respond to fear instantly and automatically, not to have to think, should I be afraid of this? Should I hide? In fact, we kind of have created a much more fearful gene pool by straining out all the ones that didn't have fear. They didn't make it. The ones who stood there and said, huh, I wonder if that's dangerous, became lunch that day or captive or whatever happened to them, allowing the, those who were a little more cautious and decided to react before they figured it out to pass on their genes. And so here we are with more fearful genes that keep us moving forward. The problem is we've misunderstood fear. We've decided that fear is an avoidance indicator 
If I'm fearful about something, I ought to avoid it. Fear is only pointing out the importance of something. Even if it's dangerous, it's just saying, hey, it's important. Pay attention to this. It could be dangerous. If I'm running down a trail and suddenly there's some squiggly thing on the trail, it's best for me to stop and decide how important it is. Is it a twig? Is it a snake? In that process, you know, I could just, as soon as I see something turn and run, avoid, or I could just pay attention, make it important, notice it. But think about this in other ways. For instance, I was working with somebody who had a couple of job opportunities and he went to one job interview and it was his dream job and he was terrified and he stumbled over his words and he couldn't make his point and he wasn't sure what they thought of him. He was a ball of sweat, just didn't feel good about it. The very next day he had another interview it was at a job he knew he could do. It'd be easy for him to do. No big deal. And it was fine. It'd be a fine job. He went in. He was less about the job. And so he was more calm and relaxed. And he answered the questions. And he made them laugh. And they liked him. And he didn't sweat at all. And he said to me, you know what? I got offered both jobs. But I'm realizing that the job that went so smoothly, that must mean that that's what I should do. And I reminded him that he was letting fear choose. And in reality, fear was telling him how important that other job was. That's why he was having such a reaction to it, because it mattered. And in the process, he realized that that was what he really wanted to focus on. He wanted that to be the place where he worked. And so instead of letting fear be the importance indicator, he had been making it the avoidance indicator all his life. You might make that same mistake. If you do, it's a place you can turn from. It's easy to move away from that and move to the place where you recognize that fear is only telling you something's important. You got to pay attention to it. Use fear as an importance indicator. Notice how that ties into the first one, because if something's hard, right, if something is difficult, Sometimes it scares us to try to figure out how to push through that. And yet that might be exactly where we need to get to in order for us to get to the life we want and to the life that we treasure. So let's just take those top five and we'll come back in the next episode and talk about the next five. So the first top five things of ways you can guarantee you don't thrive. Number one, take everything personally, no matter what, just take it personally. If the person looks at you wrong, assume something's wrong with you. Assume that. If things don't work well, assume that there's something wrong with you, not just that life has gotten a little bit difficult or that it's just a bad day. Assume everything is personal. Number two, always live in regret. Make sure that you regret everything that's ever not gone right or the paths, every path you didn't take. Just live in regret and let that cook within you. Number three, And refuse to forgive. If somebody slights you, remember that. Recite it to yourself. Remind yourself of why that person is so bad. Number four, if it's hard, just don't do it. Avoid it. Stay away from it. And the number five way to make sure you don't thrive is to let fear dominate your life and keep you from moving towards whatever makes you fearful. The next episode, I'll cover the next five. If this has been helpful and you're wondering what resources you could do to turn that around, I've got one book that might be particularly helpful for you. That is Thrive Principles. Thrive Principles are 15 strategies for building your thriving life. 
I think you'll find it very useful if this is connected with you and you're saying, yeah, you know, sometimes I do those things and I would like to do something different. Find out how by going to thethriveprinciples.com, thethriveprinciples.com. This is Lee Balkan wishing you the best as you thrive. listening to the Thrivology podcast. Thank you for listening. If you want more information, visit us at thrivology.com or at thrivologymagazine.com. Remember that Thrivology is spelled T H R I V E O L O G Y. It's your life. Time to live it. Uh-huh.